Well, Father, as the kids go, we're grateful. We're grateful for the way that, uh, as a community, we see the investment of, uh, of working with children over the years, even in the, in the youth and teenagers in our in our church, and how they're taking steps to take their faith more seriously. We know that foundations in formative years are really important for that. And so we're grateful for them. Even as you continue to hear them, we're grateful for them because we want them to be part of this community. We want them to be in a place where they can be themselves and where they can experience community, where they can rub shoulders with other adults besides their parents that are following after you. We just see so much value, so we're grateful. And we just pause for a moment as we're thinking about uh, the honor it is to, to do the work at Hope Central in this space. We're, um, we're grateful that uh, you invite us to see you, to see your face in the, in the work that we do there, to see you in the face of people that we serve. Um, it's a humbling thing. And it, it just feels like over and over and over over the years, when the sandwiches are running out and the line is still long, you provide. I just feel that with the, with the cash that's rolled in recently. And we give you glory and praise and honor for how that unfolds. In your name, Jesus. So, when was the last time you felt really impatient? Can you bring it to mind? I'm actually asking, you don't have to answer, but I'd love if you think about it. When's the last time it was like wrapped with impatience? I can think of mine, it was Friday of this week. Um, and we'll put a picture up and you guys can see if this place stirs the anxiety in you that it stirs in me. You recognize, okay, I'm not the other pick. You recognize this place? <laughs> if you want, to test your patience, head on over to Costco, and I promise, I mean, if you're anything like me, it'll test your patience. Now, this is one they just opened in China, and um, that little boy, front, front left, like, that's how I felt the other day, Friday at Costco. And it was a perfect storm, to be fair, like, I had had a super busy day, I'd just gotten back from a pastor's conference, so I was trying to pack way too much into one day. And um, I had the kids along, two of them, uh, the youngest, who can be a bit trying in a shopping scenario, and uh, as a middle child. Um, but you know, they were great, they were great, but we got there, and I was shopping for the penny, had a list sent to me, but I hadn't updated my phone, so I couldn't open the list. But of course you find that out when you're at the back of Costco, you know, I'm like, oh, hold on this. Uh, I can't open my list. So then I thought, oh, I'll just download my new operating system. So the, oh, it's a, an hour to download the new operating system. Okay, that's not going to work. So texting for a new list. Um, try to, now i got to walk to the front of the store. I go back out into the parking lot so I can get service. The kids are in the cart. The guy's like, you got to show your card? I just showed my card. Like, hey, back in. And then, uh, and then I finally, I'm like, I get, I get the list. This is about 40 minutes in, okay, with the kids. I'm like, okay, we'll go put you in front of the big TVs. They're just like Costco on the TV. This sucks, Dad. Get us out of here. Get us some food, whatever. So you can, you can see, like, I'm, I'm doing fine so far. I'm like holding it together. 
Uh, I get the second list, and it's it's uh, I'm at the back where the milk is. Okay, so it's like a mile and a half from the door. You know, you're way at the back of Costco, and the list needs to be downloaded. It's a photo. So I'm like, I got to run back to the front of the store. Kids are here. Sir, you need to show. I showed my card twice already. How do you not remember me? You know, I'm back in. Okay, so now I'm starting to feel it. You know, I'm starting to be like, okay, it's been like over an hour. Nothing has happened yet. So now I'm shop. I start shopping. I get all the stuff, and it was, you know, it was what you expect. And you go there, kind of like expecting to be in and out, which is naive, you know. But even the even the the parking lot is a sign. Like when, like when you get into the parking lot, it's like anyway. Um, I I really value Costco. I'm gonna keep going, but it was so. Then I get to the till. You remember in Seinfeld where where George Costanza is like George is getting upset. <laughs> this happened to me when I go to use my new Costco card, which gets me a bunch of points and, and stuff, and uh, it doesn't work, you know, and I've got like a ton of stuff, you know. And they're like, okay, sir, we're going to have to haul you and your kids over to the shame station over here, where we're going to put your cards for a little while, and you can call the bank so that you can get this thing working. So I'm like, I am calling the bank because I want my points, you know. So I head over to the to the, another area with the kids. They're they're troopers. We call the bank. That's you know only 20 minutes to do that. Uh, and then finally get back and they're like, and then my car doesn't work again. They fixed it at the bank. So now like George is getting upset. You know, I'm like starting to like it's it's been over two hours at this point. And so finally, um, the, the lady says, oh, well, if you want, you can just pay with something else and then come back in and we'll refund that and then you can get the sort of I'm like, that would have been great information 45 minutes ago. So anyway, you feel sorry for me? Not even a little bit. I only tell that story because I, I don't think I'm the only one that when you get in moments like this, you feel this thing come over you that is, is anything but patience, you know? And you probably have experienced it recently. I think the unique thing about patience is we could be talking about Costco, or we could be talking about waiting on health results, or we could be talking about waiting on something very important to arrive in the, in the mail, it's, so like the degree of trial that we're dealing with can be radically different, but we still use the same word to describe what we hope to aim for in our best selves, in our attitudes and the category of how we deal with the time. So we're talking about patience today because uh, we were just at a pastor's conference, Ben and Cam and I, and it's, it's a time where we get together with all the churches in Western Canada that are part of our movement, which you know I think is a, an important thing. And the bishop uh, was responding a bit to the topic of how our society has really accelerated. And so the speaker was talking about the acceleration of our society. He was talking about how technology, of course, is this massive acceleration. Our social lives is this massive acceleration of things like social media and things. And then just the pace of life in general is this massive acceleration. And whether that you feel like that's your reality or not, it just seems like all around us, we're having to sort out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus 
in a time where the world is accelerating faster in those categories than ever before. And so as we, as we talked about that, patience is sort of this remedy to this acceleration idea. And it just feels like it doesn't, like initially when you think about that, there's this allurement of the pace of life and, and the new thing or the new gadget or the way I can be more efficient. And patience doesn't feel like a fit sometimes, does it? Where it's like, patience? No, I want like a faster iPhone. And he used this, uh, the speaker, Andrew Root, used this, uh, this example. He said, you remember back when there was no email? Anybody in here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you had to write uh, some letters for your job. You had to correspond. You literally had to write letters. You know, so you're writing letters. Say you had 10 corresponding correspondence tasks. You've got to write 10 actual letters. You know, like, it just seems so foreign that I'm just saying like you would grab a pencil and write it on paper. Okay, and then you fold up your paper, you put it in an envelope, now you gotta write, do some more writing on the envelope, get a stamp, get all 10 of your envelopes with stamps and take them to It would take like two hours to write 10 letters, maybe. Yeah, and then what he, he said is, okay, so now email arrives, and um, maybe 30 minutes to do the same amount of correspondence. And so cheekily, he said, so you know, since email, everyone that uses email has an extra hour and a half in their day. You know? It's like, thank you, email. Now we all have this hour and a half breathing room. Because we don't have to do the letters. You know, so we have an extra hour and a half, so we're like reading and at home we take naps because we're so much more efficient. Now it doesn't, you know, we have all this extra time. So of course that's not how it works. Actually, what happens is that we cram more and more unit, more and more tasks into the unit of time that we have. So in that two hours, now we can accomplish way more things. And so we're hyper productive. And so we're accelerating <coughs> the expectation of how productive we can be. And so this speaker was pushing us and nudging us toward being present in moments where we lower the number of tasks that we're doing in a, in a quantity of time. And the bishop, I think, rightly, said that, the, that his challenge to us as churches across Western Canada, and he'll be in the East next week giving probably the same challenge, I think it's for all of Canada, is to recover the fruit of the spirit of patience. He said, how do we become a patient church? How do we become a patient people in a world that is accelerating, accelerating, accelerating. So today I want to look at three brief passages that canvas the idea of patience and, and then challenge you and me and us collectively on what it means to strive, or maybe it's not in striving, that patience arrives. Father, we give you this time <laughs> Even if we're feeling impatient in these moments, slow us down. Give us a pause. Help us to be present in these moments, to be conscious of what we're up against, and also aware of how you provide. So as we talk about a word that just seems 
and something we throw around and fully understand. We invite you to give us a deeper understanding, not just of the dictionary definition, but of how we embody this fruit, this thing, this uh, way of interacting with intensity and acceleration in our lives. So, like I was praying, patience is one of those things that you just, oh, I don't know that is. But, but when we think about it deeply, like what actually is it? What is patience? Um, anybody want to take a stab at it? Yeah. We could do a dictionary definition, sure. Here, here's where I'm at. I, I did look it up, and uh, patience is a virtue. You, you read that. That's not from the Bible, but you know it's in line with what the Bible would teach. Um, patience is similar to uh, perseverance, but they're not quite the same thing, are they? Like perseverance, there's sort of an activity that you get to do. You know, perseverance sort of feels like you you are more active, you have more agency maybe than patience, whereas patience might be resigned to waiting. Um, patience is is something that is no fun. I think we can all agree on that, and it's something that relates to kind of an antithesis to all kinds of anxious moments or anxious fears. Patience is a choice or is it a personality trait? Are people born patient? Are some people more patient than others because they were born that way or because they've chosen something? That's something I want to think about as we go through this. But the first passage I want to look at, we'll put up on the screen here. And um, I want to frame first, before we even get into this passage, but you can read ahead if you're keener. Go ahead. Um, but patience, we know, is a fruit of the Spirit. You remember that list, love, joy, peace? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, then kindness, gentleness, self-control, minus one there. So patience is this fruit that comes when we allow God's Spirit to interact in our lives. Now, what's interesting in the list of fruit of the Spirit is if you read it in different versions, you might you might see like long suffering instead of patience, which I'm more for the patience word than the long suffering, because that just sounds like, oh man, I'm going to sign up for that. But long suffering kind of defines itself, you know, as as you hear it. And, and another one is forbearance. Has anybody heard the word forbearance before? So in the fruit of the spirit, forbearance. So I looked that one up, and to forbear means to bear against your emotions. So to bear against hints. You know, forbearance is to bear against something, or to resist it, or to tolerate it uh, as a category of being. So it sort of fleshes out patience, but here, here's where the scriptures talk about it in three other places. So we're just going to look at one, two, three. First is as it concerns our hearts. So this is from James 5. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, okay, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it establishes 
the early and the late rains, you also be patient, be like a farmer. And this line kind of caught my attention, and I hope it catches yours. Establish your hearts. Have you ever, have you ever read that before, like consciously, where you, you notice that little turn of phrase? Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So this idea of establishing your heart, I think, kind of tips my cards at whether or not patience is something that's innate, like you're born with it, it's part of your DNA, oh, you go for it, you're all patient. So, you know, when I was born, it just sort of, around four is when it really started to come over me, you know? No, patience is something that we have to establish in our hearts, that there's something active about it, that there's, that there's a choice if we don't establish it in our hearts, then it's not going to be there. And and that, I think, is an interesting thing to think about. That there's sort of a, a, a part we play in how we invest in activities or understanding that produces this fruit. Okay? So that's the first one. Is as it concerns our hearts, we have a role in establishing a heart that's sort of fertile ground for patience. Okay, next next one is patience as it concerns God and the scriptures. Alright, so <clears throat> for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, okay, so that's the first mention of it, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, that we might have hope. So it's kind of a weird, weird way to talk about the Bible, that, that the Bible has patience and comfort. You know, it's just kind of a weird way of saying it. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. So, patience, as it concerns the scriptures first and then God, the scriptures tell a story of all kinds of times where in the big story that we've rooted ourselves in, people have had to wait. Now, what's assumed about the waiting it's not that it's like the kid at Costco is going to be screaming, you know, in the waiting, but that there's a waiting that seems to we're invited to, into in the big story to emulate, which is a waiting patiently in, in, as a spiritual practice even, that God seems to enlarge us in the waiting like we read earlier, or that waiting is one of the things that actually shifts some of the stuff that's going on inside of us if we wait well. But it's hard to wait well, isn't it? But if we root ourselves in a story, and the interesting thing about the story of Scripture is it's a story we're still waiting on for the culmination of the story. And so it is a story that inherent to the story is waiting. And we see and observe good waiting in the story and in ourselves as we are peripheral to the story, or really, I guess, as we're living the story in these times. And then we see people that serve as really great imitators, imitations of people we can wait like. Alright, so we've got thoughts of scriptures, the second part is God. Anybody feel like God's been patient with you? Very. Very. So we see that, that this word, this forbearance of God, that one of God's character traits is patience. And it's the idea that says, um, the person that I love, 
I won't demand they arrive at what they need to arrive at instantly. God is patient. God is good at waiting. God is known for waiting. A few uh, few years ago, you know when sometimes you're walking through life and something dawns on you like, man, I think the way I think about this is a little messed up. And it kind of relates to a whole bunch of things. Anybody have that once in a while? I hope so. Um, so for me, I notice that when I'm in situations where I hear about something dramatic, you know, like something someone did and I know I'm going to have to talk to them, or something that like is going to create a rift in a friendship, then I automatically, in my, my thinking process, would go to the worst case scenario. You know, when I talk to so-and-so, it's gonna be brutal. And I think it's like a protective instinct that comes naturally where you're like, I gotta set myself up for a potential fight here, so I'm gonna prepare for the worst and hope for the best. But what happens is the way you enter a conversation like that when you prepare for the worst, you're not at your best. And you're not giving someone enough, you're not giving someone room to be at their best. You're entering it assuming it's going to be at its worst. And I started to notice this in myself and started to say, well, what if when these situations come up, these situations that I'm like, oh, I'm dreading this. Oh, I hope this goes well because I'm nervous it's not going to. I started to notice in myself that there was sort of this building myself up being ready for the worst. And then I started to say, well, what if I just, what if I entered that assuming the best of someone else? Not necessarily initially, but assuming that we're going to arrive at the best outcome together. You know, so instead of like writing the person off, telling them, telling in my head, being like, okay, just get through this and then try to like, you know, and then later you can judge the person. You know, I don't know if that was quite conscious. But to enter the conversation saying, how do I aim us together at the best? I think that's a bit how God works. It's this patience of, you're not there yet, but I know you'll get there. I know I'll patiently give you opportunity to rise to this challenge. I think that's the God, that that's the character of God that we're asking. Okay, third one. Patience as it concerns others. And there was kind of a hint in the last one about that. And you know, when, when we looked at it, it's like, well, patience, like seriously, like patience is nice, but if all I have in my toolbox is patience, then like how do people ever improve? Or how are they ever challenged? Or how do people, and I think this kind of rounds that out a bit. First Thessalonians 5, it says, and we urge you brothers, admonish, and sisters, admonish the idle. So people, they're doing nothing. Get them going. Encourage the faint-hearted. So be there for people that are struggling. Help the weak. You know, it's like sometimes we get into these modes where our, the way that we help is from our own lenses. So we're like, here's what you need to do. You know what I mean? Get after this the way I do, kind of thing. But that last line sort of brings a corrective, doesn't it, on how we do these things. Be patient with them all. Even if they don't deserve patience, you certainly don't in the way God has given patience. I certainly don't. 
But that's what patience is all about, is resisting what we feel as an impulse or a knee-jerk reaction and stepping into something better. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. There's a, a football coach who is really overt about being a follower of Jesus, and Ted, Ted Dungy. Anybody heard of him? Yeah. yeah. I want to read what he writes, uh, a story about his father. It's not long, but I think it kind of makes the point, or at least addresses the point that I want to make. So he was a pro football star and then coach Tony Dungy. And he talked about his dad, and in particular, his dad's Christian character, which I think is pretty cool. But he says this. My dad was usually a quiet, thoughtful man. A scientist at heart and by training, Wilbur Dungy loved to be outside. He loved enjoying scenery. Fishing allowed him time to contemplate, to listen, and to marvel at God's creation. And so my dad used fishing to teach his children to appreciate the everyday wonders of the world God created, the sandy shoreline, the dark pine forests, the shimmering water, and the abundant flowers. The lessons were always memorable whether we caught a lot of fish or not. Although we fished countless times together throughout our lives, one particular day stands out in my mind. It was a summer day in 1965, and summers in Michigan are beautiful, with comfortable temperatures and clear blue skies. I was nine years old, and my brother was five. My dad had taken us fishing at one of the many small lakes around Jackson, Michigan. And on that day, my dad was teaching my brother and me how to cast. We were both working on it, mostly in silence, until my dad's voice finally broke a period of stillness. Hey, Lyndon, his brother, don't move for a minute, please. I looked back and watched my dad move his hand toward his face, calm and deliberate. He continued to speak. Now, Lyndon, Lyndon's five, always make sure that when you that you know not only where your pole is when you're starting to cast. At this point, I realized my dad was working my brother's hook out of his ear. <laughs> but also, make certain you know where everyone else is around you. <laughs> I learned something about proper casting that day, but I also learned something about patience. Years later, I got hooked myself in my hand, and I realized how much it hurts. Remembering my dad's patience that day, when Lyndon's hook was caught in his ear, I finally understood the importance of staying calm and communicating clearly. Is that realistic? Do you get a hook in your ear? <laughs> Please don't move for the for a <laughs> um, however you picture that scene, and you know, I've, I've put my own voice over it, like maybe it was like, no, I don't know, but um, you, you do kind of know some things about that Wilbur, don't you? 
just the way that he responded, whatever his voice was, the way that he treated his son in that moment tells you there was some sort of investment happening ahead of time, wasn't it? Do you agree? I think so. I think that Wilbur had invested enough in his patience thing that when the time came to exercise it in a time that mattered, his son years later remembered that moment because he had taken the time to learn how to establish his heart. Now, I think the thing that really brought this home for me is when we think about this idea that patience is a fruit, a fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing, like, the fruit of the Spirit is, is something that's described in Galatians 5, and it talks about, first, it says, when, you, when you're choosing the Spirit, you're saying no to the flesh. And I'm not saying it exactly the way it says it in the passage, but just to explain it for sake of time. So the Apostle Paul talks about saying no to our natural impulses for the things that we want to do, and he goes into a list of all kinds of behaviors that are behaviors that sort of illustrate living out of a place of our flesh or out of our impulses or our desires, our knee-jerk reactions is how I like to describe it. He says living under the Spirit is different. It's, it's restraining ourselves enough to allow those things that naturally want to come right out of us to be challenged by something better. And so when we say patience is a fruit of the Spirit, which, you know, the, the rest of the list gets a bit easier, like kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When patience is established in our hearts, then suddenly we have a capacity to live into those other fruits of the Spirit, the spirit in a great way. And so for me, that sort of brought that back to say, okay, so... Fruit of the Spirit is not something that I necessarily can achieve on my own. It's actually for sure something I can't achieve on my own. It's something that I resign myself to allow God to build in me. And I think these passages kind of point us to the way that that can happen. So, remember what the first one was? We just put it up quickly. Patience as it relates to our hearts establishing our hearts. What are you doing? What am I doing these days that's sort of building a tank of patience? Where am I finding ways to establish my heart in a sense where I'm not just like going off half-cocked at, at, uh, at Costco because um, really I went in there with a little bit of anxiety that's way bigger than just somebody cutting, me, cutting in front of me seven times with their heart. <laughs> What happens inside to experience Costco differently? What happens in this room when you're serving at Hope Central and somebody really deserves a piece of your mind, but because of what's been established in your heart, because you experience, and this is to the second point if you want to put it up there, because you've experienced God's patience and as an instrument of, of the divine, you know, that's what we are when we're in this space, we emulate that patience. Or when we're part of the big story of learning to be 
people that wait to see the good come out of people, not need it now, you know, but to say, what if I wait, what if I weigh into this scenario, assuming we'll get to the best? And then the third one, as it relates to others, what if it's not resigning to say, I'm just going to be patient to the point where you do whatever you want and uh, I'll just be patient, you know, but I'm actually going to admonish, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to, I'm going to help, but I'm going to do it in a way that's realistic and we'll get there eventually. So Ben and I, as we were chatting about today, we were thinking, okay, we're about to turn the corner and start a, a series, I guess we call it, or the topic for the next bunch of weeks is around this lifetime discernment time. And so we're going to be talking about how we as a church are sensing God leading us. And we're going to talk about how we're wanting to slow ourselves into a space and into a into a, an attitude of waiting on God for answers. Now it's very tempting when we're doing strategic planning to jump in with our own solutions, to like draw diagrams and like work our way into clarity. But what I wanted to start with patience because that's what I think we need to be about as we enter this next season. And the bishop talked about like challenging churches to be patient churches. Here's the little surprise. The church isn't like just one thing. It's, it's you and me, it's all of us. And the way a church is patient is if all of us are patient. It's not like this thing that's patient. It's us. And so I'm inviting you in the next season, as we talk about what it means to discern together, to exercise your patience, to establish your hearts, to emulate the Father who's been patient with each of us, and to not, not give up on being challenging and helping, but to do it in a way that's patient. Let's just take patient 30 seconds or so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and allow God's Spirit a moment to uh, challenge us on something that's come out of these texts today or something that's struck, struck you in the Anybody have something that came to mind that they would want to 
share with the community. Go for it, Chris. I believe that um, the good board would want all of us here gathering to be patient because he's preparing us for the blessings that he has for each of our lives. Anybody else something that kind of came to mind? I know it's weird. Don't be shy. It's okay. We're, we're family. It's good. The one that hit me was establish your heart. Uh, I just don't think I have practices in my daily life that really like that build up that stock of patience. So I just have no feel to draw from my situation requires me. I love that. It's like a confession. I don't know if I'm investing in establishing my heart in the place that I have to draw from. Yeah, I feel that way too sometimes when life gets really busy, especially. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, so to sum summarize, for those who couldn't hear, I think MK was describing the intentionality that's required to create space to do something like what Aaron was saying, with the set rhythms of our morning that would establish things in us we can draw on later. Is that what you're trying to do? I think it's great to hear from you. Yeah, Rick. David. David. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were saying. David. David does try patience. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good patience teacher. Yes. I think David does have any patience. <laughs> Temptation for impatience, you know. But I think it's good to just hey, let's let's take. It's not like forever. Let's just take a second to hear from one another. Anybody else? Okay, let's go, Debbie. Then Dennis. Totally agree. So Debbie's grateful that we're that we're creating space for this topic, and we, we're going to be better if we actually wait on God and just strategize our way forward. Is that kind of what you were saying? Dennis, when you're experiencing extreme health for many years, extreme health for many years, yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the last patience, 
how we deal with it, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. How we deal with it is uh, part of that learning process of being patient and waiting. So Dennis, uh, could you guys hear that he was saying when you have health issues over a number of years, it's sometimes challenging to feel patient. But peace comes when we establish our hearts and we can't necessarily change things, but we can change how we're experiencing it. I just feel like it's, I love that Dennis, and as Aaron was saying, David is really, illustrates patience all the time to us. And exercises like this help us hear from, from people that can teach us about what, how, to, how to grow in this. My, uh, my thought was a patient church is a strategy. It's, a, it's an antithesis to a busy culture or to a, um, a bottom line culture. A space that creates space for people to get there in time is a church all right. Well, you think we should do a song, or are we? Uh, are we good? Let's just end super awkward today. I'm gonna pray. This is gonna take much longer.